Tonight on Hops and Box Office Flops, we promised you no more cat boobs. We lied. I regret nothing. <laughs> Hops and Box Office Flops. A place where we can celebrate the underdog films, the bombs, the disasters, the much maligned movies that have drowned in their infamy. So please sit back. Grab a beer and enjoy the show. Welcome back to the 81st episode of Hops and Box Office Flops, presented by RevengeOfTheFans.com. And tonight we journey through the dregs of the Stephen King filmography. Yes, in our last episode of our Flops That Go Bump in the Night series, we are covering some of the worst adaptations of Stephen King's work. Along with me on this slog through some of cinema's worst is Captain Cat Boobs Cash. Happy Halloween, Stephen King. Cat Boobs are a bonus. You are welcome. I don't feel welcome, but thank you. Uh, we've got Crash Maximum Overdrive. Chumps in a little hacker Stephen King collabo there. Yeah, I like that little cross-reference deal. That's, that's good stuff there, Thunderous Wizard. And just remember, listeners, we made you. We made you. And uh, our resident Stephen King expert, Mayor, you stole my story, McCheese. You stole my tagline, damn it. Uh, wait, I, wait, wait a minute. I love John Turturro, but wow. Yeah, wait, he was not at tr- his best here. <laughs> not, hold on. Oh, yeah, we're going to get there. We'll get there. Wait, wait, what, what are we a, doing? Sorry. Hold on. Wait, that's a John Turturro joke? I thought... The Thunderous Wizard was just doing Thomas Jane from The Mist. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was trying. I was trying. I heard a sound. Yeah. A sound. Can we talk about the X-Files? I heard a sound in my story that you stole. You stole my story. Uh, <laughs> and I heard it. Yeah. Points of order. You can find the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, at Hops and BL Flops. You can find myself, at WriterTLK, Captain Cash. Where can they find you when you are not... Uh, Sucking the soul out of a high school girl that you were uh, cutting yourself for just hours prior. I am mostly impressed that he took the time to cut himself. This movie, no, 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 we're going to get there. But everybody, you can find me at C-A-P-T-C-A-S-H on most of your social media. Things are going to get like 2019 cats weird on this pod. Yes, they are. Uh, Chubzilla, where can they find you when you're not... uh basically uh, dousing your eyes with gasoline getting run over by big rigs that's diesel fuel and the listeners can find me on twitter at chumpzilla8 okay and uh mccheese you are now on social uh doing social things like uh you know tweeting Liking, and uh, retweeting. retweeting yeah I'm, I'm i'm learning the twitter verse surreptitiously liking and i have incest I have... porn I have the easiest <laughs> handle ever of HBOF Nick Cheese. Yeah, incest cat porn for the record. That's uh, true. Incest that is a real. Vamp- uh, hold on, incest vampire cat porn shapeshifter. Yes. Which, uh-huh. I mean, that sounds niche, but it is a surprisingly thriving community. Well, I can tell it you this. It has to be very uh... confusing because we haven't actually announced what movies we're watching, <laughs> and we're talking a lot about yours. Yeah. <laughs> uh, undec- undecided voter Ken Bone loves incest vampire cat porn shapeshifter yeah shapeshifter cat porn yeah very important 
in this roundtable, our special Stephen King roundtable to round up Flops of Go Bump of the Night Month, we will each be leading a discussion on a King adaptation of our choice. Those films are Secret Window, Sleepwalkers, which for those of you who are unfamiliar is the movie about incest, cat sex. It is a ride. <laughs> you guys, it's it's such a ride. Maximum Overdrive and Thinner. And to help us through this maelstrom of mediocre movies, what are we drinking, Chumpzilla? Well, in honor of the King Roundtable, I thought it was only appropriate to go with King Cobra malt liquor. Uh, get it? King Cobra? Stephen King? Don't explain anyway. Yeah. Uh, King Cobra hails from the Missouri brewing family of Anheuser-Busch, and it checks in with an ABV of 6%. So it's probably a little too light for Captain Cash. Not if I drink it in 40s. <laughs> yeah, I believe uh, King Cobra is available in 40s, 32-ounce plastic bottles, 25-ounce cans, and 16-ounce cans. I'm kind of surprised mm-hmm. you sell it in a bag. In a dirty yeah. shoe. <laughs> yes, so I've got a. a uh, oof, I wouldn't recommend it. I've seen it done. It's not pretty, folks. But uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure King Cobra is the heel drained off the bottom of the Bud Diesel tanks. And uh, I mean, it tastes very beer like. I'll crack one right now. It is certainly a beer like drink. It is yeah, alcohol. It's, uh, yeah, it's beer like, not too sweet. And I will admit, I really enjoy reading the, like the beer review websites, uh, you know, reviews on these really shitty beers because they have to be, you know, complete, I guess, in their reference to beers. Um, and according to at least one of those uh, beer review websites, King Cobra pairs nicely with nuts. <laughs> Do these, what you will with these that. nuts. I'm, uh, you know, Perhaps. I, I don't know how much clarification we need on that, but I guess, uh, yeah, sure. Yeah. So there you go. If you have a dollar twenty-six, you can pick yourself up a King Cobra forty. So here's a uh, big question. Cheers! Cheers to that. Yeah, cheers for one. Uh, we're gonna up the general scale to four movies because we did four movies. And how many bad movies? And all of these movies, to a certain degree, were fairly bad. Would you be willing to sit through whilst drinking King Cobra? Okay. So here's my thing. I will sit through half a movie. Because my plan is to pound as much King Cobra to make myself unconscious. So if I'm doing it right, I'm only making it through half a movie. Okay. Fair uh, enough. Now, don't forget these King Cobras are duct taped to your hands. So. I, I was about to say, if we're, if we're playing Edward 40 hands, it's probably going to be a movie and a half until I have to pee. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Uh, I would say if I was uh, 21 again, all four movies easily. Now... Maybe the opening credits. <laughs> Take a sip. Okay, okay, we're we're good here. Nah. But yeah. for Sleepwalkers, I'll make an exception. It. I'll drink at least six King Cobras during Sleepwalkers. I mean, nothing says I've made a huge mistake until the King Cobra gets warm, and then you're stuck with that. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, That's dangerous territory. It's very dangerous. Uh, well, since I picked the beer, I suppose it's only. Uh, necessary that I also rate it. So much like Steel Reserve, I'm going to give this a one bad movie rating, but I won't be as picky as to which bad movie it is. 
I could probably make it through just about any bad movie with a 40 of King Cobra. Sometimes you just have to heed the call of the snake. <laughs> Cheers. So, uh, listeners, that's a thing that happened, and it'll probably haunt you as it has me in the, the last 10 seconds. <laughs> but uh, So in this roundtable, right, we're each, we're each hosting a movie. We're going to begin with Thinner. We'll do it similar to our general episodes where uh, we share our one-sentence descriptions. We go over some questions, but it'll be a truncated version for each movie. And we do have some individual unique questions depending on the movie. So uh, we'll start with Thinner, as I said. How would you describe Thinner in one sentence? Uh, McCheese, you can lead us off. Yeah, I, I don't think you need a sentence. I think you just need the gypsy man going, Thinner. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's true. Uh, Captain Cash. I uh, I also don't know that a one sentence description is necessary here because when you can encapsulate the entirety of the plot in a single word, you you're just not working with a whole lot. No, and this movie was certainly not working with a whole lot. Uh, Chumpzilla. Okay, my one sentence description for Thinner. Thinner, much like Sleepwalkers, seems to be a spiritual prequel to Doctor Sleep just enough camp to keep it from being a bare bones dud okay that was as generous as generous can get uh, mine was the cinematic representation of the time mayor mccheese broke the atkins diet in my basement now i understand that is very inside baseball so allow me to share a story <laughs> when we were in college mayor mccheese was on the atkins diet and uh we were indulging in some alcoholic beverages one night and ordered a pizza and of course there was Doritos which are a theme in these movies for some reason and Mayor McCheese was getting antsy and you know drunk because he had no carbs and then he suddenly announced I'm back began high-fiving the room <laughs> proceeded to eat an entire pizza and an entire bag of Doritos and fell asleep yep and that is essentially this movie because that is thinner. He gets cursed by a gypsy, and then it just shows the lead actor eating a lot, but can't he can't gain weight. That's the movie. <laughs> the yeah, he's trying to get thinner. That in, a terrible, that in a terrible fat suit. Yeah, very bad fat suit. Uh, the actual description of the movie. An obese attorney is cursed by a gypsy to rapidly and uncontrollably lose weight. As I said, that's the movie. Really, though, he's doing something irresponsible in a motor vehicle runs over another <laughs> gypsy i i mean roadhead is irresponsible i'll agree uh, and also the most unrealistic part of the movie nobody married that long is still getting roadhead <laughs> also someone that obese how are you going to find his penis yeah as she she's driving there are she mentions uh, to <laughs> She mentions to him several times, like, hey, you're on a specific diet you're not following, but then all of a sudden she's hot and bothered because he won a legal case? Yeah, it, it's... This movie is, again, like, a lot of Stephen King adaptations is painfully underwritten. Like, I guess we're to assume they're a happy couple, and certainly the incident where he runs over the 116-year-old gypsy woman who's the daughter of a 184-year-old gypsy man. <laughs> That's not their actual <laughs> ages, but it's approximate. Uh... Is one of I believe those that scenes. the oldest is 107. I uh, believe. But, yeah, 
Uh, and so, so then, she was like in her 70s or 80s. <laughs> yeah. Then he gets cursed to be thinner and essentially he's going to live out his days losing weight no matter what he does. The judge who gets him off like his wife tried to. What? <laughs> the judge who the judge who throws away his sentence gets cursed with lizard uh and then the cop who claims that he wasn't drunk which was a lie he's also the chief of police from super troopers gets yeah. cursed with uh, something else oh no no no, no. no not brian cox and the commandant from Mocking yeah. in the middle and every time i saw him all i could think was arcot ramathorn yeah I forget um, Cousin what, fucker. what the name of his curse is. It's like bubble or something, but his skin starts to like bubble up, they and they all say die. It. They don't. They don't say it in the movie, and I don't remember anything from the books. But yeah, he essentially gets a bunch of boils. So, general questions about this movie. This movie's really. It's a lot worse than I remember it being, and McCheese. Yep. You and I have known each other for a very long time. We used to watch this movie a lot. And we also used to do the stupid thinner. Yeah, the the soft face caress. Yeah. Thinner. Uh, how many beers do you think it takes to sit through a viewing of this movie? And by the way, the odd thing about all these terrible movies we watched outside of Secret Window, they're all like the exact same length. They're yeah, like they're an all hour, hour and 29 and minutes long, yeah. Which is actually perfect for a movie that bad, but also somehow watchable. Like, I remember watching this when we were kids and being like, this is stupid, but I enjoyed it. And now I'm watching it and I'm like, oh, God, this is just stupid. <laughs> I can't um, even enjoy it anymore. It's yeah. just dumb. I couldn't <sighs> wait for it to end. Without, like, somebody sitting next to me to make fun of this movie with, it was brutal. I was watching it at, like, <laughs> yeah. lunchtime and my wife's like, what the hell are you watching? I'm like, don't ask. Don't, don't ask. <laughs> I made some decisions. Yeah. Why is that angry yeah. gypsy driving an 18-wheeler into a car? It's like, it's a dream. It's, it's, not, I, it's honestly, not real. The, the best explanation I can have for this movie is someone came up to Chumpzilla, a, an old gypsy woman, and did podcast. Yeah, yeah that kind of checks out. Taco so, Bell. <laughs> am I the only one that couldn't help but think of the Duracell people costumes? from those commercials in the 90s because the facial uh, makeup the plastic aesthetics they use yeah and then of course the natural progression there is the video for why known as big brown beaver by primus where they're dressed up as those cowboys in those suits which Uh is a great song and a great video but there is something like comically bad yet still unsettling about that fat suit slash makeup and the thing is this came out the same year as nutty professor same yeah. year. This is yeah. uh, well, this, this appears though is shot on VHS too. <laughs> it's sort this of is a super grainy movie. I I watched it in HD. I have a lot of questions <laughs> about why the fat suit, why he had to walk like he was still very heavy even when he wasn't anymore. He still did the same waddle. And what was the necessity of the shower scene to show how truly terrible the fat suit was? <laughs> Like, what purpose did that serve? I I think it was more to show the other dude had the lizard thing starting, and that's where he's supposed to get the connect that it was a curse. But yeah, we don't need to see the fat shower scene. No, not at all. This movie's sort of disastrously bad because the three people who get 
afflicted with the curses, two of them are barely in the movie. So like this relationship, I guess the movie is supposed to be built around of these corrupt people, the haves screwing over the have-nots, which is sort of the message of the movie, is non-existent. And that's why the movie doesn't work. So to me, I would easily recommend four beers if you're going to watch this movie because it's, unless you have some sort of weird nostalgia for it, it's, it's not good at all. Yeah, I'm going to go rapid fire because I have a couple points that are backing up here. But I would also give it three to four beers. And if you don't have a buddy who's drinking with you watching it, it makes it a definite four to five beers. Yeah, I um, agree. I want to also comment that I think this is the second week in the row where Chumpzilla has brought up 1990s commercial lore. Last week it was um, Noxzema and this week it's Duracell. I'm going to have to post the weird Duracell commercial to social as well. This one is I, not as... Uh, normal as the Noxima commercial. This one's very strange. And and my last point is, I think the movie was tolerable, not even close to being acceptable, but it was tolerable up until he, quote-unquote, goes to the the gypsies' camp, and then he starts claiming, oh, you're cursed by the white man from town. (laughs) Yeah, we're going to phone in the writing from here on out. Got it. Colonizer. I distinctly remember liking the scene where joe montagna who is a gangster richie grinelli or something that uh halleck the lawyer who gets cursed with thinner gets off for murder in such an absurd way there's so many absurd things about this movie and i'm like oh that scene where he goes to the gypsy camp that was really good and i was rewatching. i'm like how fucking dumb was i when i was like 13 years old that i thought this was cool (laughs) yeah i'll jump in here i'll give this movie easily four beers even though it's only like 90 minutes long so uh, like a beer every 20-ish minutes or so because if you think the other cursed white men from town are underwritten they've got this really interesting true not crew that they also underwrite there's nothing really interesting about them and you have like unlimited possibilities with the weird characters you can get from the gypsy carney people and they literally do nothing with it uh excuse Listen, me his this- name is tadzu lemke <laughs> This film, Gesundheit, when you watch it, curses you with this sober. Doesn't matter how many beers you drink, it's not enough to get through this movie. It is a six beer movie. If you've got someone there with you, I will deduct one to give it a five beer movie so you can at least enjoy each other's pain, but sober. Okay, that's pretty definitive. I think we all had a general dislike for this movie because it is very absurd, which leads me to my next question. Uh, most absurd scene premise or kill of this movie. Uh, I, I, it, it's definitely a scene. It's nothing else, but where she, the gypsy cuts his hand and puts it in the pie and the pie now has a mouth and it's like eating his <laughs> yes, blood. <laughs> yeah. It becomes the Necronomicon. And, it's and, like and then for pulsating. the rest of the movie, it's like, the pie has an upset tummy <laughs> and, and, and somehow he's supposed to convince people to eat this pie even though it's like <laughs> no no thanks i'll pass on the pie thanks dude uh no mccheese is right it's that the pie is super weird that is by far the weirdest thing uh not just like vfx failure related but just in general <laughs> it's, it's not necessary why is the pie now 
some sort of goblin or it's an, I don't it's even an know what evil they're pie. For. Yeah, why is the pie the sorting hat from Harry Potter? I don't know, <laughs> but it is. So I'm usually the guy that makes the grape. It's a visual media, medium, media, whatever. Show us, don't tell us, give us a visual. I actually like that because it's one of the weirder parts of the movie. It, it's almost interesting. Like, oh, that pie is supernatural. It's bubbly. It's pulsating. There's blood on it. Okay. I thought maybe like the pie was going like, to latch onto somebody's face or do something cool. No, it's just pie. But there's a brief moment there where it almost seems like it could, <clears throat> it could go someplace interesting. Hey, to be but, fair, pie does do a really great thing. It's pie. Yeah, that's fair. Pie over cake all day. All but, day. Oh. And in this movie, and hopefully I'm not stealing the uh, Thunderous Wizards thunder, Thunder. Mm -hmm. um, the pie leads us to what is the most uncomfortable scene. You want to take it from there? That is... uh, Nope. uh, Go ahead, Chumsell, finish up, and I will... Just quickly, I'll get my most absurd kill in here, and it's definitely uh, when you get basically that raid on the gypsy camp, which felt like a really, really low-rent version of the raid on the rebel camp and commander, or excuse me, feels like a really low rent version of the raid on the camp and predator. Uh, and they just chuck the gypsy husband guy over the, the, the fence line. His name is Gabe. Yeah. (laughs) Isn't that one of the shroots from the office, whatever. So they throw Gabe over the, 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 the stone fence there, the wall and his people just blindly shoot him. It's not like, yeah, they kill their own guy. And it's clearly him. It's he's in his clothes. His arms are bound behind his back. And I know this. Sh- supposedly, the scene is not supposed to be super clear, but it's really well lit. It's not like there's any confusion. It's clearly their guy running in his pirate shirt back towards them, and they just mow him down. Yeah. So that's by far the most absurd kill in the movie. It's just like, really, that's how you're going to do that? That seemed like a really weakly written scene. That's all fair. Uh, I would have accepted the fat suit just in general because it is so bad. But to me, it's when Halleck gets this bubbling pie that's essentially like, feed me, Seymour, feed me. (laughs) He decides, I'm going to kill my wife because she's having an affair with the doctor. He does. He feeds her the pie. And then he wakes up the next day and she's like sunken, hollowed out, disgusting. And and he makes out with her. Yeah, so just because... Captain Cash already spoiled it. In our roundtable, we get both bestiality and necrophilia. Wow. Wow. I I just didn't understand that. There's no sympathetic character in this movie. He was And incest. Halleck was never sympathetic to begin with, but then not only does he murder his wife for seemingly no reason because the movie is so poorly written, he then makes out with her corpse. Uh, Kissing her disgusting corpse. He's like, hmm pie yeah in the point that if you eat the pie you die you would die and he's like licking it it's like dude did you not get the memo from tadzu lemke that the fucking pie that pulsates will kill you hold up they do write a response to that end of the movie because he says oop better not have too much oh god yeah don't remind me uh so that leads me to my next question. Over I'm under mine to six. You're right. It's six beers. Yeah, we watched a lot of bad Stephen King movies. This being the first we've talked about, and we said, "Hey, Shawshank Redemption bombed." Uh, did thinner make more or less than Shawshank Redemption? As a reminder, what did Shawshank make? Shawshank made uh, thirty-six. 
No, fit fifty-eight point three. Fifty-eight worldwide. Um, Did it make? I'm gonna more than fifty-eight point three. I'm gonna guess less. I'm gonna guess thinner made less. Okay. Uh, McCheese's guess is less. Captain Cash. I'm I'm also with less. Uh, Chubzilla. Uh, I am cursed with knowledge. And thinner made about fifteen million, so yes, less than Shawshank. Yeah, uh, I ruin it. Like uh, Halleck's pant size, the uh, box office receipts for thinner were shrinking at a rapid pace after the opening weekend. It made fifteen point three million on a budget of fourteen. It tanked. It deserved to tank. This movie sucks. There's not a gypsy curse on earth that could convince me otherwise. <laughs> uh, now, we have this question for every movie. Uh, some of these questions will. Uh, obviously go through the movies, but did you find the theme or message of this movie to be relevant? Did it have something to say? I think it did. It just didn't do it very well. Yes, there is, you know, people getting off for crime simply because of their status is not great, but this movie sucks, so it didn't really go anywhere with me. Well, I think the story here is that the bad guy is the protagonist, Right, he's the villain. Yeah, that he, is. That's he true. kills a person. He he and his murders friends. his and wife. His friends. Yeah, he murders his wife. He's callous to the. He murders her lover. Uh, you know, so and inadvertently murders his daughter. Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, it. The, I think you're supposed to. This movie would have played a little better if they leaned into the body horror a little harder, and let you enjoy this truly terrible person suffer uh but they don't really do that because like they keep right until the end which you guys mentioned where he makes out with the desiccated corpse of his wife (laughs) you get the sense that they're trying to make this guy more relatable and he shouldn't be at any point yeah he's not relatable at all yeah and you make a really good point captain cash that you know they don't do a lot with the body horror if you can imagine this movie being like, you know, 15 years later, you'll get Christian Bale, you know, filming this thing over the course of a year. Yeah. And so he starves himself on the front end and shoots the first part of the movie. And then they take like a three or six month break and he puts the weight back on. And then, you know, they, they, they shoot the early scenes or, you know what I'm saying? They could, yeah. they could figure out how to shuffle the shooting schedule to do the same actor with some extreme, you know, body stuff because, you know, the stuff in the machinist, is way more haunting than anything you get here when the one shot of him uh, comes up pulling his shirt up to show a different actor's chest. (laughs) They got like like a 14-year-old kid at 6'2 and hasn't filled out yet, sucking his gut in. You know, they could have done something with it to make it more visual. But yeah, it's still much, very much, that is, like a morality thing. And I think the only time they really lean into it is when he's, you know, the, the gypsy guy says, like, you know, if you if you really want to do this the right way, just eat the pie yourself and make it clean. Yeah. Like he basically says like, own up to it, take responsibility. And and this ends with you. But if you want to be a selfish asshole, you can pass it on to someone else. But you know, there's your monkey paw wish. Good luck with that. And the whole thing is, yeah, money can't buy you happiness, but what it can buy you is freedom from rightful prosecution, which is basically the same thing. Yeah. And pie. And pie. Um, my, my God quick answer, bless America. Oh, sorry. My quick answer to Thunderous Wizard's question is no. There's so many other movies that do the shitty town protecting itself from outsiders angle in a much more serious way than 
you know, podunk white town doesn't like gypsies. Everyone wants them out of town and they essentially, you know, will go to ends and kill them to get rid of them. Yeah. I mean, this is just basically Stephen King's Caddyshack, right? Just basically. Snobs versus well, slobs. Stephen King's Caddyshack, too. <laughs> I'm Touché. not going to sell you Caddyshack. So I do have a couple quick fire questions about Thinner. And the first is, does this movie contain the best scene of an actor shoveling food into their mouth? I have uh, other nominees if you'd like some uh, recommendations. No, no. The, the answer for best food shoveling scene is a King adaptation, but it is Stand By Me, the pie scene. Okay, all right, that's that's fair. Uh, Chubzilla or uh, McCheese, do you need some of my examples? I mean, this is this is more opinion based, and I will say that over, the fact that it is food shoveling for damn near an hour straight, I'm going to give it to this guy because he's eating whole chickens. He's order like he's literally ordering full carts of desserts and then yelling at his wife like, "I gotta get twelve thousand calories." Yeah. <laughs> Is there better one scene food eating? Yes. Is there a better movie where it's nonstop food eating? I doubt it, or I haven't seen it yet. He, it's so unnerving how much you have to watch this guy eat. And like he eats just the most obscure, like when he's eating whole chickens. Like that's yeah, the he, easiest route we're he's, taking. He's is palming eating a, a whole chicken. Rotisserie. Like just palming a chicken at one point. Just... I think in one scene he's eating one and then he throws one across the room because yes. he's mad at his wife. Yeah, wait a minute. If you guys haven't double fisted rotisserie chickens from Costco, like with your fists up in the cavities, just I mean, you've never lived. His I've wife's been doing like it wrong the whole yeah. time. His wife's Stop like, bitch. you're scaring our daughter, and he's like, dude, those rotisserie chickens are like. Five bucks. I mean, you can't yeah. beat that for ten dollars. A chicken on each fist, and just go to town. Uh, well, just, I mean, Edward Chicken Hands for five bucks. Throwing one is worth it to prove a point. For the record, <laughs> a uh, strong message to be sent by thrown chicken. The lead actor of this movie is Robert John Burke, and he was RoboCop in RoboCop Three. So, yes, he was. <laughs> That's what we're working with. So my my. Uh, other candidates were Bill Murray in Groundhog's Day when he's just sucking down the desserts in the cafe. Uh, Mighty Ducks 3, which we did on this pod when Goldberg is trying to fatten up Julie the Cat Gaffney and he's just feeding her donuts so she is not capable of playing goalie anymore. Augustus Gloop just taking yeah. the chocolate river to the face. <laughs> the feast kill in Nightmare on Elm Street 5. And then, of course, when Hannibal eats Ray Liotta's brain. I would say this because there's like six scenes where he's gorging himself. Okay, Thunderous Wizard. I'm going to go with a different Bill Murray vehicle. I'm going to go with Slimer and Ghostbusters. Not bad. Not a call. I'll count it might them. not be yeah. the biggest, but it's probably one of the most memorable. Okay, last question about Thinner, and then we're going to transition to our next movie. Worst use of a fat suit, this, Norbit, or Shallow Hal? I think the answer is clear. A Shallow it Hal. No, it's absolutely this. It just it's so poorly executed. I don't know. Sh- Shallow Hal yeah. is morally bankrupt. That movie is terrible. Uh-huh. I'm not saying it's not a terrible movie. I'm just saying the execution of the fat suit is at least in the realm of believable, whereas this uh, looks like CGI. a CGI. This is 110%, you know, 
practical effect. So I give the nod to practical effect over the CGI. Chubzilla brings up a, va- a valid point. Uh, Gwyneth Paltrow in the fat suit at the end of Shallow Hal is comically bad. But there's no shower scene in Shallow Hal, so I'm awarding this movie the nod. <laughs> okay, fair point, fair point. I'll accept that. So at this point, I'm going to pass along hosting duties to our next movie, which is Secret Window and Mayor McChief. Thank you, and uh, hopefully you guys can bear with me, since this is the first time I'll do a majority of my talking. Secret Window, released in 2004, written in 1990, directed by David Kopp. I'm probably uh, butchering that name. Um, it has a stacked cast. We'll go through it real quick. Johnny Depp, Rhea Bello, John Turturro, Timothy Hutton, and a couple other uh, notable characters. Um The IMDb one sentence is a successful writer in the midst of a painful divorce is stalked at his remote lake house by a would-be scribe who accuses him of plagiarism. A would-be scribe. You stole my story. You stole my story. I'm going to do my quick uh, one sentence descriptions and I'll kick it to you guys. My spoiler free version is secret window is. One part misery, one part the dark half, and Johnny Depp being his normal eccentric self. He still gets a weird hat. Yes, yes, he did. And he's always he's always wearing what looks like a rug as a uh, uh, coat or a jacket. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, he had that weird hat written into his contract. Yes, I I will take this role, but I have to be given a weird hat. I must be eccentric. Thank you very much. Those are the rules. Those are the rules. Um, oh my god, did he get cursed by a gypsy? Hats. Scarves. <laughs> so Je- jewelry. Yeah. I, I look at this movie as a pretty clear indication of what I imagine day three of Johnny Depp's divorce proceedings were like. <laughs> Blake Lively. <laughs> like so no, no. it comes out no, that no, he's it's, been it's Amber Heard. Yeah. Amber Heard. Yeah. Amber Basic Heard. white girl. <laughs> You know, so what? So what were you doing, Mister Depp? Oh, just living in a remote cabin, murdering people, eating corn and Doritos, and uh... laying on my couch. Wait, more Doritos? But she shit my bed. So, wait, hold up, just to go back to thinner for a second. The best part of the Dorito eating scene in the car is that it's not like a snack bag of Doritos. He's got the family size thing. And he's just pouring it down his throat. I, oh, yeah. That, he's going for it. That is cinema, folks. I, I, did, right, so I did have like a, a serious question about what kind of juice was Stephen King getting out of Doritos in the mid to late 90s? That It's literally in like three of the movies we did. I mean, they, Listen, they were the best chip back in the 90s. Let's he, admit that. Stephen King... Did a lot of blow. And blow costs a lot of money. And sometimes you get in bed with some people you don't really want to get in bed with. But Frito-Lay is Frito-Lay and they cut them (laughs) checks. That's fair. Got to get that yum brand money. Okay, back to Secret Window. So so my spoiler-filled description is writer gets sad. Writer invents imaginary friend. Writer uses imaginary friend to kill a bunch of people, which in turn makes writer less sad. (laughs) The end. Uh, so wait, the Thunder, short version Thunder, is Thunder, you're, the you're, true uh, path to happiness is murder. He he also inexplicably gets braces. Yeah, uh, at, <laughs> yeah like, at the end, it's well, like is this supposed that, to mean something? I don't. Apparently, like that's, him, that's him getting his yeah. life back together. He uh, he had to get his teeth fixed, and he's happy in town, and everyone knows he did it. <laughs> I 
I, I, I mentioned mine. It's the, the divorce proceedings thing. But Chumpzilla, what do you think? Okay. My one sentence description for 2004 Secret Window is that it's the second worst sequel featuring John Turturro's Jesus. The first being the actual sequel to The Big Lebowski. <laughs> It's uh, yeah, sort of. It's not really a sequel, but the yes, the sequel. solo, the solo Jesus vehicle. Uh, fair enough. All four of these movies, to me, very much feel like the first draft of a number of Stephen King better movies, right? Like Mary McCheese mentioned, this is kind of a take on Misery, except Misery is in the dudes or the. Kate Beatty character is in the dude's head. And it just this is this is all Stephen King B material. Yeah, and I have a note here because I was reading the backstory to this, and King himself even said that the inspiration for this came after he wrote Misery and while he was writing the Dark Half, but he wanted to come at the Dark Half from a different angle with a different story. So that's how this was born. Uh there's a lot of stuff that King writes in this period that's very self-loathing. Like the characters are like, uh, they feel guilt and they they don't handle it well, and the, you know disappointment in life, and they're trying to find happiness, and it, it always goes poorly. And, oh yeah, you know, I mean, and, and you know Stephen King's had some up and downs in his life too, right? And and uh, with the substance abuse, and he got hit by the car, and a lot of that stuff bleeds into his work. And I can't help but some of this is therapeutic for him, like to to the point about being rough drafts or whatnot. Yeah, I think he's trying to work some of this stuff out uh, himself, and you get these okay stories, but yeah, they don't really click. Well, it's interesting that in the four movies we're talking about, three of them, including this one, uh, Sleepwalkers and Thinner, the protagonists are all the bad guys. Like, that like maximum overdrive is just fucking weird and we're going to get to it. But in each of these three films, the, the perspective, the way the story is told is from the villain, right? That that's what's going on here. Yeah. There's not a lot of likable characters in either thinner or secret window, even his ex-wife, who I guess you should feel sympathy for, but you don't because why would you like, she leads to his mental breakdown and the guy she's dating is a total jack off sorry timothy hutton i love you and you're great but you suck in this job well yeah we don't get a lot of backstory on you know maybe he was a piece of shit and that's why she left him he did invent an imaginary friend so he could murder people so he doesn't seem like a great guy it's clear he's not only uh a drunk but he's sort of a fraud too. Like he he had stolen somebody else's story before, and he clearly had some sort of substance issues in the past. Yeah, they 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 touch on that a handful of times to give you like a hey this, this dude's not on the up and up. Um, little bit of little bit of uh, backstory on the scene where Johnny Depp breaks in on them uh, having an affair. Apparently, the director wanted that to be as real as possible, so he didn't tell. Uh, Timothy Hutton or uh, Maria Bello, uh, what was happening or what was coming. And he rigged up the room with a ton of lights and music and just had Johnny Depp burst through the door. And then he kicked it all on at once and scared the shit out of him. Oh, that's pretty great. 
yeah. I mean, that's that's kind of awful to not trust your actors enough to like do their jobs. I I actually like this movie. I it's not great, but I think it's by far the best written movie, and that is because of the director who also wrote it, David Cap, uh, also writer of Jurassic Park. Oh yeah. Uh, but it's it's a very stereotypical trope that was done and redone over and over and over again of the guy who has split personalities. I mean, you, McCheese, were talking about uh, high tension the other day. Not the other day, but the other week on the pod. And that's like an example of a movie that does that trope well. And this movie yeah. doesn't do it so well. It does it well. Hold on. Uh, Chumpzilla's got something. Well, I was just going to add about that uh, scene where they burst into the hotel room or where Depp does. Uh, yeah, the director had the uh, actors lay in there for like 15 minutes just waiting. They didn't know when Depp was going to come in. And they were pumping white noise into there so they couldn't really hear anything. So they were kind of like in an isolation chamber. Yeah, and then as <clears throat> McCheese said, when he opened the door, flipped on the lights and, you know, they wanted to get a genuine reaction out of them. And I do like that. It's not that they don't trust them to do their jobs. It's that they want to catch a more raw thing from the actors, their their response to that. I mean, I the best example of this that I know in movie history is the chestburster scene in Alien. Yeah. Yeah. The actors yeah. didn't know that was going to happen. So you got like their genuine like shock and horror when, you know, William Hurt's chest explodes and, you know, <clears throat> an alien hops out. So anyway, that's interesting. It's not a really great scene in the movie, but they were trying. I mean, you can see uh, they were giving it their best. And I will say this compared to the other three films uh, on the roundtable. This one by far has the highest production value. I mean, it's also the newest, it's the most recent. Yeah, but no, absolutely though. This is the best looking of the movies. It it feels slick and it, uh, it like yeah, it's 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 a decent movie and it's, it's well it's well acted. Yeah, well, I mean, we'll solid get there performances across the board, except well, for John Turturro's accent. I heard a sound about my story. Oh God! Yeah, um, no. we'll get there in the in the beer count. <laughs> Going back to Thunderous Wizard's point about high tension being a, a good version of this, I think the story isn't bad, but I think how they kind of wrapped it up at the end, where you know Depp's freaking out, he's trying to figure out, oh, how's this all happen, and he puts on uh, Shooter's hat, and then that you know you get that switch where all of a sudden the movie cascades, and then we realize that they're the same person. It feels kind of like a lame ending and it gets only compounded where his ex-wife shows up and all of a sudden shoot her is scrawled all over the walls and when she turns around we see that it literally says shoot her yeah and there's other people that have been in the house so it doesn't really add up like uh, uh I, I forget his name uh his his bodyguard who's in Alien 3, he was in Rock. Yeah. Uh, Charles S. Dutton. Yeah, shows Charles up. There's Dutton. like, there's nothing screwed up about the house. And then like, you know, he obviously exists. So wouldn't he have noticed things are a mess? I don't know. There, there's just issues. But I did like the movie. I have to admit, I'm a little disappointed that on the last pod for The Mist, when we talked about great movie endings, we didn't mention The Usual Suspects. Because that's kind of the classic, like, great movie ending. It's, you know, it's a cliche now. You know, Kaiser Sose, you know, we all know what that means. To your point, Thunder Wizard, you know, we've seen this kind of twist done before. 
And, you know, on, on that missed podcast, Mary McCheese, you mentioned one of your favorite endings was Fight Club, which, again, I think between those two movies, you basically get the ending to this movie. We've yeah. seen this done before. We saw this done in Psycho, right? Oh, yeah. it's not yeah, me, it's yeah, my mother. Yeah, it's on, like, yeah. this is like the, yeah. the, kind of the one of the oldest twists in the book. Yeah. And like, yeah. you just, you see it coming. Well, you know, I think in two psycho that gender swap thing, you know, is pretty was pretty progressive and subversive at the oh, time. Oh, sure, was, for the time, but it was like nineteen fifty nine. Sleepaway two thousand what four? Yeah, yeah. And to, I mean, to carry on the theme of the end fizzling, I mean, after he finally does kill his wife and uh, her now boyfriend husband, you get this weird scene where it's just Johnny Depp eating a shitload of corn because that was referenced in shooters version of the story. Like what you could have ended it so many different ways instead of him cooking and eating a pile of corn and acting like a maniac, but they can't pin it on him because they can't find the bodies. Yeah. Even though you could easily find those bodies, I did have a question better odd corn eating scene. This or sleepwalkers <laughs> because the deputy in sleepwalkers is just rifling through corn I'm and, giving it. I'm giving it to Sleepwalkers because at least that corn cob gets uh, implanted in his back. I did not uh, like. Oh no! Spoiler. Don't do it. Save spoiler. it. Save it. Save it. Uh, oh, sorry. Sorry. Cut I I did not like this because it zooms in on his face for the crunch of the corn. It's terrible. Well, isn't the isn't the conceit that the bodies are buried under the cornfield? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So well, it's not a cornfield; it's a secret garden. I mean, right. the, the actual the actual name of the book is Secret Window, Secret Garden, and it's supposed to be like a ten by ten plot of land, and you're not growing ninety ears of corn in that much space. Except you just I, get I a thought... warrant and you'd search the property. It's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. And the first place they look is any disturbed earth they find. Wait, yeah. Secret Window, Secret Garden is that Savage Garden's second album? Uh, first. Yeah, it's, the, it's their sophomore. Okay, sophomore. No, that's uh, what uh, what was Captain Cash's band that he oh, uh, the Thirty Seconds to Mars. The band he, he admitted to really I, liking uh, the Goo Goo Dolls. Yeah, the Goo Goo yeah. Dolls. They've got garden there, stuff in their lyrics. I right? will stand the Goo Goo Dolls. It's fine. They're a solid right. '90s band. Whatever. Let, let's press. Let's press on. We have questions. <laughs> that with is a groups. lot of guy liner coming through right there folks around the board above moving on above above or below shawshank i'm gonna say above because this this came out 2004 that's enough time that just by inflation again i am cursed with knowledge Knowledge. no no don't give it away don't give it away this movie even with inflation factored in definitely made more money than shawshank yeah i'd say more because at the time johnny depp was at the height of his powers of hat wearing and uh, scarving and uh, Ge- general corn weirdness. eating. Yeah, silly uh, hats. So it depends on where you pull the numbers. the The U.S. gross was less. The worldwide gross was more. I, I count worldwide. Yeah, global. Yeah. I, okay. Um, moving on. Overall impressions uh, and beer ranking. Ugh. I'm gonna give it two beers it's a meh movie it's not bad it's nothing special it's at an hour you know it was an hour and a half again i think yeah um, it's not long it's fairly it's fairly true to the source material you don't need to stray because it's a novella but 
watch it once, drink two beers, and call it a day. You don't need to watch it a second time. Uh, yeah, that that's fair. Yeah. That's where I'm at. I'd give it three, maybe, depending on if it's if you're particularly bored. Because for me, the biggest sin that this this movie has is that it's mo- it's the most boring of the four that we had to watch. Yeah, it's the most shoulder shrugging. Like, yeah, it's a movie. I uh, no, I I liked it. I don't like it a lot. I think if you're a first time viewer, now we've ruined it for you. And uh, the movie sucks if you've seen it already. Because I mean, obviously you kind of know the twist is coming, but it, for the first half of it, you don't really know it's coming. So there is an like an air of mystery about it, and that makes it entertaining. And it is well acted. It's relatively well written. Uh, it's by far the most commonly directed of the four movies. So yeah, two beers for me. Uh, but it's a one viewing movie. You can't ever watch it again. It's just not good. Yeah, after I mean, the first and that's time. what I said. You watch it once, just have a couple beers, but you don't need to see it twice. Yeah. I'm going to give this movie four beers, uh, because the twist, it's not so much telegraphed as much as that John Turturro's character shooter is just so paper thin and weird. You're like, Oh, something's up with that guy. Like For it's sure. telegraphed in the sense that, well, I know that guy's sus, so I'm going to keep an eye on him. And then when it turns out like, oh, yeah, he's a uh, uh, made-up imaginary friend, you're like, yeah, no shit. That guy's been weird the whole time. He didn't see the real person. Emergency meeting, vent shooter. I saw yeah. shooter vent. Yeah, and, and at no point in time does he seem like a real character, so it's a little weird. And it's one of those movies where it's like, it seems like it'd be really easy to solve his problems. Like, I'm just going to get this magazine, and I'm going to prove it, and it'll be over. And it's like, that seems real simple. So why is there like, you know, uh, 65 more minutes of movie? Yeah. Like, no, I where, think where, that's where, the... like, I, I, this doesn't seem like real high stakes here. I mean, you got an accusation of plagiarism. So, okay, let's get that figured out. That seems like a civil matter. We could take this up in small claims court and be done with it. That's Hell, if we were lucky, we get this on Judge dog, Judy though. and we can all get paid. That's the well, I mean... fairest assessment. Yeah. The first thing Shooter does when he kills his dog is tells him, don't go to the cops. And the first thing he does is go to the cops who don't seem to give a shit. So wouldn't you find someone who would be like, all right, I'm going to find he finds the dude. He's like, why don't you meet him with me? But no, apparently that doesn't work out. I mean, so let's, you just let's have story leave? time with Uncle Chumpzilla, because Uncle Chumpzilla once lost his Blackberry in a cab in Arizona. And it was found by a meth head. <laughs> who managed to make contact with Chumpzilla. And is, Chumpzilla... The, is the moral of the story the meth head was in was not real the whole time? <laughs> it was me no, the whole he, time. He was certainly real since he, I had to go meet him to retrieve yeah. the Blackberry. <laughs> <laughs> but the point is, those things can be resolved in real life. These things can be taken care of, and you take care of it at a post office or police station somewhere where it is safe and public. So this whole movie, like the whole premise of it, you know, it just sets it up for like, why is this being so conspicuously weird? Like, why can't they just settle this, like, you know, in an easy and uh, public fashion? Because the thing also, is, I like, I, I, he he knows he stole the story. He knows, yeah, like, he's, he's a fraud. And he's, again, he's creating, it's a civil he's matter. Creating, he's creating layers to do the murdering that he doesn't want to do. Ah, uh, so he's like an ogre. And an it, onion. Essentially, if he would have hired the Murder lawyer, layers. if he would have hired the lawyer from Thinner, this wouldn't have been an oh. issue because he would have gotten off. And, the, oh and the lawyer would have got cursed. Yeah. Okay. Here's what I'm proposing right now. I like where this the is going. Stephen King 
cinematic universe, but not with the good properties, just all the bad ones. Nope, but hold on. If he hires the lawyer from Thinner, he still gets the Amber Heard. Well, at, True. at but, some point he's getting cursed by a gypsy, but at least he would have gotten out of this little dispute about who wrote the story. All right, let's get on to my two questions about this movie. Um, to ring in, you have to say, you stole my story. Um, first question, why did John Turturro decide to take this role? Hopefully no one you read stole IMDb. stole my story. Okay. The money, dear boy. The money. Nope. Here are your uh, oh. options. A, he's a big King fan. B, his that. son's a big King fan. C, his mom's a big King fan. Or D, he really wanted to do a Southern accent. I, I he, can't he, imagine He'd been in D. Where bro- Oh Brother Were Out There. Come on. Yeah. Well, maybe no, he likes a, a Southern minute. accent. The mother thing was Thomas Jane's, so I'm going to go with the son. Yeah, you got to ring in. Yeah. Uh, you stole my answer. It's the son. <laughs> you made a sound about my story. I'm giving it to the Thunderous Wizard because you took too long. That's the right move. I yeah, you thank guys. you. Okay. Um, question number two, quickly. This is not Timothy Hutton's first King movie. Which one of these movies did he appear in? A, Shawshank. B, Children of the Corn. C, The Dark Half. Or D, The Mangler. D, The Mangler. Uh, you stole my story. D, The Mangler. Wrong. Damn. Wrong. Uh, uh, it, it, you stole my story. Uh, it's The Dark Half. Correct. And I, uh, I mean, that was going to be my, that was gonna be my guess. The dark I wasn't sure about the other ones. He, Quick question, Miriam Cheese. What is the dark the, half? Uh, the dark half is the... So King has an alternate uh, ego called Bachman that he used to write under. And uh, in, in the dark half, essentially they're killing off Bachman. But when they go to kill off the Bachman version of King, he comes back from the dead and the writer starts playing two different personalities using his dark half to murder the people who are trying to get rid of that writer. Yeah, oh, that sounds messy. Okay. It sounds it sounds very familiar to this story, but yeah. more more in time. Yeah. Okay. Moving on. All right. So I think that wraps up Secret Window. So now we're on to uh the horniest and Frankly, the oddest yeah. movie. Most, most incestual. Yeah, the oddest movie of uh, the Stephen King Roundtable, and that is Sleepwalkers. Uh, Captain Cash, tell us all about uh, this incestual, disgusting movie. I am so thrilled to talk to you about Sleepwalkers, a 1992 film directed by Mick Garris, perhaps of most famous Hocus Pocus writer fame. Uh, this movie stars Brian Krause and uh, the Borg queen Alice Krieg uh, as a mother-son, cat, spirit, vampire, shape-shifting, incest duo, insanity thing. Uh, Proto-true-not. Yeah, so very much so. This, this is a complete like B run of Dr. Sleep. So much is taken from that in particular, as we said, the, the spirit vampires, the, the titular sleepwalkers themselves are very much early true. Not they explicitly feed on virgins, which you can see how it very easily <laughs> develops into. Well, if we feed on virgins, why are we going to try to kidnap high school girls? It would be very easy to kill children. <laughs> and that's where you, and like, 
there are weird family there's a weird family dynamic and it, like it's it's weird. real easy to see while that that gets plugged in. They're um, very I mean it's a little I don't more know than weird. weird. I don't know if weird carries enough weight. I don't know if that's a strong enough word. I like, well, hold on. First off, hashtag cat tits. Second, um I do think there is something redeeming about the incest angle here. No, no, no. Stop. It's first of all, it should have never been cat boobs or cat tits. It's very clearly kitty titties. How how did you idiots not run with kitty titties? Hashtag kitty titties. Continuing in that vein, this film is is just like the previous two we discussed, where the protagonists are the villain, and they go the whole way to make you understand these people suck, you shouldn't like them, and they're as weird as possible. Yeah, there's, yeah. A, there's a whole thing like... Uh, angle where the sun maybe is rounding a corner and won't be a total piece of sh- horny cat shit, but no, he is. <laughs> the whole time. Yet, like, th- these these villains don't have layers like an ogre. It's just horny cat shit the whole way down. So I will say there's one redeeming factor to the incest angle. Oh? Yeah, I, I think go, it's... Go, I'm sorry, go on, uh, Senator. Yeah, no, I, I think it's implied that they're like mythical creatures, and they might not necessarily be blood relatives. It might be more of like a Sith thing. I, I get I get the feeling that it's more like a master and an apprentice, not so much a true biological mother and son. It, it, I'll give it a little bit of room because it, it's it's not like explicitly clear, and not to mention they both appear to be the same age. Yeah. Uh, so whatever. So again, it's that. Uh, but they very are explicitly yes. mother no, and son. No, no, I, that's the way it's like, portrayed. Oh, you my mom, or you killed right. my son. But, but that's, I think that's more of a, again, I don't know if it's necessarily a blood thing. I think it's more of like a relationship thing. Because, one, I'm probably spoiling something here, but this is not based on a King novel. King just wrote the screenplay. Yeah, we were going to so get there. So there's not a lot of backstory here. So I think there was room for interpretation in the relationship. Again, I think it's more master and servant as opposed to just biological mother and son. That's my opinion. I'd say she turned him, but that's not a thing in this movie. So, yes, she is his mother. Uh, It's super weird. They address it multiple times, and yet they still hump as cat people thrice. (laughs) Again, hashtag I, kitty titties. Yeah. Hashtag cat tits. So at the same time, I, I, I think that though that is the way they present themselves, that's also part of the way they fit into society. It's part of how they put up a front. I, I don't know. That's the way I viewed it because to me it was kind of weird. Like, You're looking I, deeper than this movie goes. Right. I, I, again, I, there should be more backstory here. But uh, mm. you, you'll get my true opinion on this in my one-sentence description. So this, right. this movie Moving doesn't on. need to be any longer. Yeah. So Chumzilla did did bring up probably the the one of the more interesting notes that this is the sole uh, movie of the four that we're talking about tonight that is not a full novella, uh, where this movie was never adopted into a, a Stephen King writing of any kind. He kind of had this on the back burner, and to me. That that's why this really feels like a a, a B story or a half cooked version of what we would get later in Doctor Sleep because he never committed any of this to a true Stephen King story. 
This is just, hey, it's 1992 and blow supply is getting kind of low. Fuck it. Here's the thing I've been, yeah, I, I yeah, whatever. Make this a movie. And we get this. Uh, so let's do the one sentence descriptions before we jump into the plot. And we will be brief with the plot because there's a lot that doesn't happen in the plot with just jumps of 10 minutes of total fucking insanity, which is why I kind of love this movie. Uh, but my one sentence description is basically cats 1992, uh, Mary McCheese. What's your one sentence? My is in the same vein. It's cats, but a fever dream. Cats already is a fever. Yeah. Wait, that's, that doesn't work as our resident cats expert. Uh, cats is a magical place that I only wish I could go to. And this is hell on earth. This is this is the monkey paw wish of cats. Yes. Yeah, can I can I redo mine real quick? Cats. Please do. You know you don't gotta see this one. <laughs> Hashtag slimy cat tits. All right, over to <laughs> Jumpzilla. What is what is your one sentence description of Sleepwalkers? Sleepwalkers feels like the first two or three chapters of a Twilight ripoff, and then it just ends, most likely out of a sense of shame and guilt. Uh yeah. No, that's totally fair. My mine is, I uh, I, have, I have a couple things. So, for starters, why did the lead character have to look so much like my beloved quarterback Josh Allen? And second, Stephen King, what the hell were you doing when you wrote this piece of shit? Blow a lot of blow. That's what he was on. I mean, that's fair. It's just so beneath his writing. Like this movie is juvenile in every way imaginable so my big issue with this movie because it's got an interesting concept don't get me wrong does it (laughs) yeah i think so but the problem is they spend the entire movie these this sith vampire couple spend the entire movie trying to get one kill and it's not very eventful like yeah he kills a couple of people throughout the process but it's never like satisfying because obviously it's all about trying to get this, you know, girl, get the virgin or whatever. Right. So you spend 90 minutes just trying to get their first victim. And then it ends in like a really weird, like climax. And it's like, okay, so that's the whole story. There's that's it. It's, it's like the first third of the movie, but stretched out all the way, and then boom, you get an ending. This movie is disastrously written. It's all right, disastrously so written. Let's just cover the whole plot, because there's there's no way to talk about this movie without just doing the exposition dump of sleepwalkers are a thing. They're a hybrid human-cat thing that feeds on the spirit of people. Go ahead, Chumzilla. Well, and you get that in a straight exposition dump from from Toby Kebbell reading his high school paper. Well, yeah. to be fair, the uh, book uh, from the Chillicothe uh, something something or other <laughs> gives you a good indication of where we're headed for this movie. It, listen, what gives you a great indication for what this movie is is the credits where they do this really bad 1992 version of Photoshop with historical photos mixed in with cats. It's bad. <laughs> it's super bad. 
It, yes. This movie lets you know what this is right up. We front. get cat boobs within the first minute and a half of the movie, where it's Again, a cat kitty titties. I will insist on kitty titties. Hashtag. It's a cat human Hashtag. nursing another cat human. <laughs> or... So there are cat people who are energy vampires that have existed throughout history. We are down to the literal last two. A Charles Brady and a Mary Brady. They they are absolutely mother and son. It is a sexist relationship. Uh, But the Sleepwalkers have one weakness, uh, which is the domestic house cat. Despite themselves being cat people, actual cats are anathema to them. So they have allergies? Question mark? It's like... Allergies don't typically make you catch fire. Uh, is it fire uh, or yes. smoke? It like they're, they're, Yes. I, I, I can't. I you know. And again, I I had to speed watch this because I was behind everybody. But they're it's, cat it's mostly shape, smoking. They're cat shapeshifters that are afraid of cats because the cats, when they touch them, make them smoke or catch fire. I mean, catch fire smoke, in the smoke, end. And fire and cat. No okay. wait, cat. Yeah, they do. At the end, she does. At the end, she catches fire. Is it Spoiler. ever explained? Or can only cats kill them, or can if they? I mean, this the sun dies without getting touched fully touched by a cat. Well, right? frankly, that makes them just about as fragile as the true knot, so it checks out. Yeah, exactly. I think cats are their weakness. They can be killed with enough significant trauma, but like a cat scratch that would not affect you would straight up murder them. So at any point. We've got these these two. They've moved to Indiana. They have selected a target by the name of Tanya. There's a bunch of weird shit where the the main bad cat guy, Charles, is carving a T into his arm for no fucking reason. Uh, none, none. None. Just to all. remind you that, hey, this guy isn't cool. Uh, then he stalks Tanya to her job at a movie theater, uh, which is just weird. Uh yeah, so long story short, the cops eventually get on them uh, when when Charles tries to murder Tanya. Uh, the cops show up, and they have not a canine unit, but a cat unit, which is super helpful. <laughs> this, this, this cop has a cat ride-along, because why, why wouldn't you? Well, um, not explicitly a, a, a feline unit, but yeah, the one cop has a pet cat in the car. I would enjoy it if it was ride with a, it's, a, it's a feline unit. It's it's rural Indiana. It's fine. It's probably gonna fly. Meow nine nine. He's like uh, Mayor Humdinger from a uh, Paw Patrol. He's got a oh, legion of talk about Paw Patrol. Legion of cats. So. Oh my gosh. Tanya fights off Charles. Literally jabs a wine or a corkscrew in his eye. The cop shows up to to do some damage and to help out. Uh, is murdered, and we get the classic cop kebab. I will say that this movie does have some actually decent kills in it. Oof. That but also a spit I don't take know. for me. Cop kebab, literally beverage spewed from my mouth. <laughs> I don't know how the I don't know how the cop gets up after cop kebab. No, that didn't make a whole lot of sense, did it? Yeah, because I mean, he fell he fell on what looks like a pencil shoved a, into his ear hole. Yeah, that's an eight inch pencil that goes straight through his ear hole. Maybe he's got maybe he's got cat powers. Yeah, so basically, the son is damaged enough. He gets home. The mother, uh, Mary, knows that the only thing that she can do 
is to feed him to survive. Uh, so he, she's going to take Tanya's life force. But lo and behold, all these cats show up, murder Mary. Uh, she literally bursts into flame. Uh, and the movie is over. The Aristocats. It, yeah, uh, it's just such a half-baked idea. This it's like movie. literally the first part of a movie, and then it just like speeds to an end, and you're like, okay. This movie is full-on insane. So how many beers do you need to make it through this 92-minute film? We'll go to our resident king expert, Mayor McCheese, not a king novella. How many drinks you need? The fact that it's 92 minutes makes it less on my scale. I only want to give it three beers at 92 minutes because that's a beer every half hour. And while this is so bonkers crazy, I actually, half the time when I was watching it, uh, was like, what the fuck? Serious? Like, I even started it and within the first couple seconds because I didn't have my headphones on, Mrs. McCheese was like, this sounds like the dumbest movie ever. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, yeah, it's probably going to be that. It definitely is. But it wasn't, it wasn't painful to watch, but it was. I guess oh. it, partially, it partially was, but at the same time, I was like, "Oh my god, this is so kitschy, like Halloween night B movie bullshit." It definitely is that. Now, Chumsilla, you seem to very strongly react to it's not that bad. Again, it looks terrible. It seems like it was shot on grainy VHS, and I think the big reveal is supposed to be like the cat suits they wear because you kind of glossed over the fact that they shape shift into these weird human sized cat things which you do see the pictures of in the opening credits but oh yeah these weird slimy hairless naked cat things which it's a choice um i think this would be much more interesting if they'd gone like were cats if you just did like a werewolf movie but they're cats but they do that. They they have like four different levels of cat transformation. There's the one where they yep. just have the cat face, and then yep. there's the one where they have the whole weird cat alien head body thing. No, but I'm saying if they had hair, if you just made them like cat werewolves. Listen, the look here is very much Cats 2019, but very specifically that like hairless sphinx cat. Yeah. That's and what wet. these things are. Yeah. And yeah. slimy. It's uh. Yes. For oddly slimy. It's unsettling, to say the least. And, and and it's not like a bad effect. It's just like it doesn't... It, would it's you not say great. they're slimy or would you say they're moister than an oyster? Yes. Slimy. Um, <laughs> slimy and moist in all the wrong places. Um, and, and I will admit that the, the wounded cat stuff you get from, like, not Toby Kebbell is pretty, uh, is pretty gross. Like, there is some gross stuff in it but there's just not enough substance to this movie's plot to make you like care about it. Like it's the most meh movie I've ever seen. It's literally like 90 minutes of them trying to murder a high school kid. Like I, I, I'm so sorry. How many beers? Like, how many beers? Six, six. Okay. All the beers because it's been 90 minutes trying to murder one high school student. It's like 30. Ugh. All right. And yeah. then over uh, to the thunderous wizard. Put it this way. How many? Yeah. Six beers for sure. This movie was so appallingly stupid to me that when you realize King wrote it, it's like, why is it written like all the shitty movies that other writers adapted from his work? He phoned this in so, so hard. This movie has no substance. It's awful. It's awful. I'm sorry. It's just bad. And you know what? The Thunderous Wizard? Yeah. 
Yeah, well, you know, that's probably part of it. And it's really funny that you point that out, Thunderous Wizard, because that will come up when we talk about the night's final movie. Because King had some opinions about the way his properties had been handled, and that's part of the reason we got Maximum Overdrive. But we'll get there. All right, listen. I agree that this is a six-beer movie, but for the opposite reason. This movie is batshit insane. But the problem is it's batshit insane at really weird intervals. It's 90 minutes, but it will go a good 20 to 25 minutes where nothing fucking happens. And then for five minutes, you get cop kebab, a cat transformation, energy soul sucking, and a weird cat unit. So this is this is a six beer movie, but this is a six beer movie because you're going to like ride this fucking train. Yeah, the last 20 minutes are off the rails. Yeah, (laughs) There's a lot I, of cop. There's a lot of cops with shotguns doing a terrible job because obviously they're shitting their pants and running into human cat <laughs> monsters. Yeah, and we've just glossed over the two best parts of this movie. One, you get an uncredited Mark Hamill cameo. Oh, I did. Opening. Yes, you're absolutely right. And, and then we also get a strangely deranged uh, Ron Perlman as like a state trooper or something like that. I just want to say, it was the '90s. It was a human cat movie. And Ron Perlman did not get into the wear cat makeup. Either something went terribly wrong or Ron Perlman was like, no, fuck you. I'm not doing that again. I, I bet you had a thing in his contract. He got to do one movie with nothing on his face. Yeah. And this was it. I mean, the whole movie's absurd. And it all begins at the very beginning where the high school guy is cutting himself wearing jeans and a belt, but no shirt. And then immediately making out with his mother. <laughs> yes. And then he has sex with his mother. To be fair, his mom was pretty hot. So most absurd scene or kill in the movie? I think there's an answer, and it's cop kebab. Now I'm willing to take suggestions. What else? I'm going to go when he murders the pederast teacher that tries to put the boots on him. Yeah, with the hand. They don't really explain how he can rip a hand off, but also he's a shapeshifter, so it doesn't matter. And it just seemed like a really weird turn there to make the teacher be like, yeah, I'm going to get something in exchange for this. I'm like, what, what? Yeah, so to be <laughs> yeah. fair, we completely glossed over that point because none of the plot matters. You're not here for the plot in this movie if you're here for the weird. But at one point, the teacher looks into Brad's background. Brad? Wait. Brady. No, shit. It's Charles. Sorry. Charles the Brady? Has- Yes, Charles Brady has looked into Chuck's background and been like, those are forgeries. That's not re-. No teacher is going to spend their time like researching the background of the new handsome high school student unless they are a pederast. So at least that made sense. And I the suppose. reason he did that was because he made fun of the teacher by saying a box has six sides. And that was such an aggressive slight that he had to go hunt that kid down. Yeah, so, yeah, the teacher at that point clearly wanted to hate fuck him. So, okay, that was his motivation. <laughs> okay, so that's yours. Mayor McCheese, what is the most absurd kill, absurd I'll get, scene? I'll get to that. I want to extrapolate on uh, Chumpzilla's real quick. Uh, why is the him killing the teacher send him into some crazy rage overdrive where he's like, fuck it, I'm going to chase, I'm going to run from the cops, run over these children, and then activate, which we haven't mentioned yet, the fact that they can go invisible, including their cars. 
But my... <laughs> that's how insane this movie is. Like, I get it. I get that this is not a good. This is a a USA made for TV movie. <laughs> but just listen to that and tell me you don't want to see it. And I hate to say it, but the invisible effect isn't that bad. It's no, but no like it's not. It's... it's not hard to film nothing. The way it, it doesn't make any sense, but it looked okay. Initially, the way it happens is he has to sit very still and concentrate, and then later in the movie, they're just going in and out and being invisible and running around, <laughs> catching up on people. Uh, I, I guess for some odd reason, my favorite. Yet, kill yet they is still where... can't cure this. Hold on, they have the power of invisibility and shape shifting, and yet they can't kill a single sixteen-year-old girl. <laughs> yeah, for ninety who's, minutes who's and or three and, or four days, <laughs> and and who is scared and wounded. <laughs> Like he's so powerful, he can rip off a dude's hand and he punches her square in the face, but she can invade them at every turn. I like the part where she <laughs> in cat form picks up the cop and throws him on the picket fence. That was oh, my, that's good. Yeah, I like oh, that kill. And, and you know they foreshadow that shot because they give you a tracking shot earlier and show you how sharp those pickets are. I picked up on that. I'm like, oh, that's that's coming not, back. That's cinematography, that motherfuckers. Yeah. It's clearly when he kills Otho from Beetlejuice, the teacher. Yeah. Because not only does he rip his hand off and blood goes all over the car, he then eats him, then shows up, and there's no blood on him or the car. It is... Well, that's how stupid this movie is. Have you you seen how well cats can groom themselves? It's a magic car. Well, that's true. I'm sure he just... But, you know, if you're going to give me cat incest sex, at least let me watch fake Josh Allen groom himself. Hold on. I mean, is that too much to ask? I don't know. It's not. I I would say that's probably too much to ask. And here's the real question. Do you think in human form, he still has the cat sandpaper tongue? I think he has a choice. He must have a choice, right? Because there's so many degrees of cat. I bet there are parts where he can be like, and now it's a sandpaper tongue. Mm, That's my my theory. All right. No further with that. Over under. (laughs) Did this make more than Shawshank? No. Uh, zero chance. Zero no. chance it made more. I, the real question is, did this make more than a million dollars? Okay, 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 okay. Look, this movie was produced for $15 million and made what? $30.5 million. It doubled its budget. So the worst part about this, McCheese, is that if you took the worldwide... Uh, gross for sleepwalkers, which I assume is mostly North America. I'm, I don't think this got a huge international release. It, if you take the worldwide total for sleepwalkers, it out earned the domestic total for Shawshank. That would be accurate, <laughs> I think. That's yes, the, That's the domestic for Shawshank was only 28.8 million. Yeah, then and, definitely. And, so if you account for uh, inflation, oh yeah, the global take for Sleepwalkers out earned the domestic it's take. It's not that far life. off. Like Shawshank was Cat- what ninety five, ninety four, ninety four. Cats are big. Two in the, years before, cats, cats are big. Yeah, in the so Middle East. Maybe no, my point is picked it up. Perhaps. Uh, so here are my here's the first question. Oh, Lord. Between these cats and cats twenty nineteen, who is the sexier cat? Oh, it's starting clear. with. I mean, come on, dude. Yeah, listen. Obviously, I'm going to give this to the thunderous wizard to begin with. I I've, I like cats the movie a lot, and there's some hot cats, dude. <laughs> 2019, but there's no there's no full on kitty titties. No, in that's, cats that's 2019. Fine. Uh, 
the the hairless uh, cat uh, rumpus that happens in this movie is very off-putting. Uh, over to uh, Chumzilla. I'd rather nose through the Dame Judy Dench's litter box than go anywhere near the cats in this movie. Fair enough. And over to Mayor McGee's. I, I mean, I'm the lucky one that hasn't seen Cats 2019, but this oh my god, terrible, gotta so. make him watch Cats 2019. Uh, that was that was before I really got into the pod, so you can't make me go back in time and watch that. We are going to orange uh, clockwork orange your eyes open and hold make on, you watch that. Hold on, hey, Captain, Cash, Captain Cash, I got this. Listen, Cats 2019. No, no, no. don't don't cats thinner me. Get out of here. <laughs> next question. Next question. Next question. Uh, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to steal something from Chumzilla, but I think it's important between this and Howard the duck duck tits or kitty titties. Again, I'm a pass. Cause I never saw Howard. The uh, duck. How does... duck. Yeah. It, listen, listen, no, the answer here is very clearly for, for Mary McGee's podcast. No, no, no. I joined at the right time. All right. Or after you guys got most of the shit movies out of the way. <laughs> Except these four. This was a full-time job. This was a full day of work this week. Eight hours of, of shitty movies. Chumzilla, duck tits, kitty titties. Based on the examples given in the two movies we've referenced, Sleepwalkers and Howard the Duck, hands down, duck tits. Really? See, I'd have gone kitty titties, but maybe that's me. No, these, nah. these, these cat suits are horrific. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, oh, absolutely. So, I'm a little disappointed that part of your your review here, Captain Cash, did not involve finding one of those cat suits on eBay. No, no, I I don't own it, and it's definitely not in my closet. Anyway, uh, that's it for Sleepwalkers. Definitely a movie you should get real drunk and watch. I can't necessarily agree with that, but folks. Let's take a quick break here before we come back to finish up the last movie on our Stephen King roundtable here for spooky season. When we get back, we'll be talking about Maximum Overdrive. Ooh, thank God. Welcome back to Hops and Box Office Flops, presented by RevengeOfTheFans.com. And I, Chumpzilla, am here with the Thunderous Wizard, Captain Cash, and Mary McCheese to finish up the final movie in our Stephen King roundtable. We're going to talk about 1986's Maximum Overdrive. All right, I have to admit, this is another one of my guilty pleasure movies. Very much so in the same lines as Dreamcatcher. Well, uh, as it should be. Yeah, all you really need to know about this movie is that it's based on a Stephen King short story called Trucks. And it involves aliens, a meteorite passing near Earth, machines coming to life and going on a rampage. And the humans are, you know, basically now, much like the mist, they are trapped uh, in a truck stop. That's the, the, the small view into this world that we get. And they have to figure out how they're going to survive this semi-truck holocaust effective truck apocalypse if you truck will apocalypse yeah and it's not just the trucks like there's other stuff that goes haywire atms bridges machinery although vending not machines all machines yes. yeah vending machines lawnmowers turkey lawnmowers knives. yeah it's uh it's and interesting perhaps the most important point the main antagonist is a truck 
with the face of the Green Goblin. Correct. Yes. And that's like the iconic image you see. It's like on the movie poster. It's in the trailer. You'll see it. It's a giant Green Goblin face. Uh, and the key star in the movie is Emilio. Pat Hingles in this movie. Pat Hingles also in the movie. Uh, you get uh, Yardley Smith, a.k.a. Lisa Simpson. Yep. <laughs> and uh, you'll, you'll recognize her. What a weird, weird cast decision there or casting decision there. She she looks like a Muppet. I'm not going to lie. It's uh, it's interesting. But yeah, so we'll get into some of that stuff later. I've got that coming up. But uh, this movie, Maximum Overdrive, much like Sleepwalkers, is also a first for Stephen King. So Sleepwalkers was his first movie that he just wrote as a screenplay. Maximum Overdrive is the first movie that he both wrote and directed. Yes, folks, this is a pure Stephen King vehicle because, according to him, if you want to do Stephen King right, you have to do it yourself. So after a couple <laughs> of lackluster adaptations, he decided to take the helm for Maximum Overdrive. Um, yeah, we've covered the basic plot here. Uh, I'm going to describe this movie in one sentence. And it is a coked up Stephen King tries to blow up as much stuff as possible while listening to ACDC on repeat. Also, Lisa Simpson's in it. So that's mine. What do you have for us, Captain Cash? Transformers the movie, but it's bad guys. Which is interesting yes. because this movie was released the same year as Transformers the animated movie. Still the best Transformers movie. Yeah, it's basically Transformers, but they're all Decepticons. Yes. No. Oops, all Decepticons. And they don't transform. All right, what do you got That's for us, Mary McCheese? Um, I would say my one sentence description is for a movie about machines killing people, we could have stopped here. We didn't need the rest of the Transformers nonsenses on here on out. <laughs> yeah, Michael Bay, take notes. You've yeah, been bested by a coked out Stephen King. There's not one soda machine in Transformers. What the fuck? Yeah, no, that's not true. true. That's absolutely not true. In the first Transformers movie in twenty in two thousand and seven, one of the Allspark monsters is absolutely. I I don't remember if it's a Mountain Dew vending machine, but it's definitely a vending machine. Shows you how much attention I was paying in the Transformer movie. Thunderous Wizard, what's your one-line description for Maximum Overdrive? By the way, they remade this movie later as Trucks, which was a USA movie, which I have no idea why, because this movie rules. This, If I were Agreed. to describe this in one sentence, this is as close as the pod has gotten to redoing Chopping Mall as humanly possible, and I love it for that. That's fair. Yeah, and on that note, I will crack another King Cobra. As a, as a quick side note, uh, Thunderous Wizard, you'll enjoy this. I was telling Big Spill that we were doing this movie, and he said he recently saw a movie called Blades, which is about lawnmowers that go crazy. And you, you can't totally see it. Um, I'll send it to the pod. But the, he found the movie poster says, Golf, a game of hooks, slices, and slaughter. Blades, I'm in, I'm in on you, that. <laughs> Blades, just when you thought it was safe to putt. I'm, Listen, I'm, I'm mostly definitely... I'm mostly just annoyed that when you crack a can of King Cobra, it doesn't immediately go. Yeah, why doesn't it hit? That's a good question. So, according to IMDb, the description of this movie is: a group of people try to survive when machines start to come alive and become homicidal. Which, 
frankly, that works for this movie and Chopping Mall, as the Thunderous Wizard has pointed out. Bingo. And Terminator. Yes. Well, well time traveling machines. But, uh, yeah. Um, I'm going to ask the question now. I saw this movie on like, broadcast TV, you know, basic you know, TV back in the very late 80s, early 90s, like in a Saturday afternoon. And I was like, what is this? This is bonkers because, again, it is just mayhem from Jump Street and there's car crashes and there's lawnmowers that come to life and all this stuff. And, you know, it's there not- is a child that is run over by a fucking steamroller. Steamroller. Yeah. 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 And uh, more on that later. It, it just was a weird, weird movie. And, uh, you know, then the people get trapped in the truck stop and it gets very mist like. You know, you see, again, a lot of these Stephen King movies, I'm not going to say like, you know, history repeats itself, but it definitely rhymes kind of thing. A lot of these themes kind of show up and get recycled. But, yeah, I remember seeing this movie as a kid and just being like, wow, this is great. And then the Green Goblin truck shows up. and I'm like, oh, that's badass. And there's explosions and there's blood and ACDC and and cars and they go vroom, vroom, vroom. Yeah, and we'll we'll mention it now because Captain Cash brought it up. But yes, the entire soundtrack for this movie is ACDC. In fact, it's the ACDC album, Who Made Who. That's right, folks. That album is the official soundtrack for Maximum Overdrive. Uh, and of course, that's the opening song. Yes. And you get a sort of like slant rhyme reference in the movie when one of the waitresses screams, we made you, we made you yeah. at the murder trucks. Yeah. It's sort of, I think they should have probably gone with the straight who made who kind of thing, but they never really do it. They just kind of sort of mention it, but she, whatever. She, that is the worst single piece of acting of the four movies we watched. <laughs> it's, I, I agree. And it happens twice. Yeah, there's some bad stuff in this movie. Uh, I'll, I'll get to it later. I don't want to spoil it. But, she has no uh, business trying to fight an 18-wheeler dressed up like the Green Goblin. Well, yeah, I got... There's there's bigger issues in this movie. But anyway, that's the general gist of the movie. So let's get to the obvious questions here. How many beers does it take you to get through it? I'll start with you, Mary McCheese. What you got for us? I don't, I mean, I could watch this thing stone cold sober. I'll give it one because I think we have to give it one. Wow. They can well, be enjoyment beers or they can be suffering beers. Well, Agreed. Yeah, I, I think that's why my last ranking came in as three. I mean, maybe what, this clips in as an hour and a half again? Yeah, it's like 91 so minutes. That's about, you know, that's about three beers. Not required, but three enjoyment beers. And from your earlier question, I think we blazed over. The first time, I don't remember the exactly the first time oh. I saw this, but me and me and TW have been hanging out since fourth grade, correct? And we used to watch this campy horror shit all the time. So it has to be early in our relationship and we probably watched it every it was one of those movies that was on tv always even with the factor of even with the gore level and the kills they still ran it all the time and we watched it every time it was on television yeah no i i know this was part of joe bob briggs's monster vision at one point there's still a blog online from joe bob briggs's monster vision about this movie uh yeah we've known each other since fourth grade i had easily seen this movie with you five to six to seven times, maybe. Yeah, without uh, a doubt. I This is all enjoyment beer. This is a wonderfully stupid 80s horror movie. None of it makes sense. If you think too hard about any of it, 
just don't just immediately crumble. Don't, yeah. Yeah. don't, don't, yeah. don't do don't. any of that. No. You will have a very good time watching this movie. This yeah. is, and I, listen, this is a six beer movie, but a six enjoyment beer movie. This this movie is balls to the wall, full on crazy. Like Sleepwalkers, you get like spurts of ten minutes of crazy. This is from the jump. You want to see how weird it gets? It gets real weird. Yeah, uh, and I appreciate Mary McCheese. You rolling my previous question into the beer question. That was a clutch save. Thank you. Ooh. Um, and, you know, for me, this is a three beer movie, but with the caveat that it's three tall King Cobras, because yeah, this movie is bonkers. This movie deserves, in my opinion, to have like a cult movie following. This should be a midnight movie. People should be throwing popcorn at the screen and having fun with it because yeah, this movie is just, it's, it's, it's dumb fun. And Stephen King himself has called it a moron movie. So I mean, yeah, yeah, that's fair. It's fair, but it's a lot of fun. The movie's great. Well, it's underwritten. It's a little nonsensical, but it gives you tons of stuff to look at and to laugh at. Like it's a very visual movie. There's not a lot of context and subtlety to it. It's just shit crashing together and exploding and guns and steamrollers and lawnmowers and child murder. And yeah, it's all the stuff. And a vending machine that kills a guy in the balls. Yeah. And like Chumzilla said, this is this is the kind of when I lived in Chicago, there's a theater called the Vic and they only played old movies and they sold they sold stuff to throw at the screen and they sold alcohol. And for like five bucks, you got in for two movies and you were expected to like yell during the entire movie. And that's what this is. It's like you go out with your buddies, you grab a ton of beers and some goobers and you sit there and watch it and yell at the screen about how ridiculous it is. Yep, absolutely. I I think that's right where this movie belongs. So to the next question, what is the most absurd scene or kill in the movie? I've got an obvious favorite here, but I will give it to the Thunderous Wizard first. What's your favorite and or least favorite? This is interesting. Uh, I guess I'm going to have to give it to the Bible salesman, Eddie Arcadian from Bruce Leroy, The Last Dragon. Uh, going out and uh, being, he was a total asshole the whole movie. He's essentially the guy that picks up uh, Elizabeth Berkeley and uh, Showgirls, where he's trying to make a move on this young drifter who's also carrying a knife. It's like the same scene. Uh, and he gets like backed into and shot out of his shoes into a, into a trench and just dies there in the muck. Well. He doesn't quite die there. He sits there and screams for help and then has that weird thing where he attacks yeah. the boy as a mud monster later. Yeah, so there's apparently a scene that was cut from the movie where his face gets peeled off. Uh, but they had to edit that out because it would have resulted in an X rating. So, yeah, this movie was super messed up, but I think there's reasons for that. But anyway, okay, so thank you for the the little uh, lead in there, Mary Cheese. What about you? What's your favorite kill and or absurd scene i think captain cash already stole my thunder and it's the vending machine that shoots it's, the he sh- it shoots the cocaine not it doesn't kill him by shooting to the balls it no hits him the balls and then he bends over and it to hits take him the, the knee forehead. yeah yeah, yeah it thank hits him you the balls to get him to lean down and then it smokes him straight in the forehead and that's it's enough to kill a human yeah the the coke machine is so great because the technology wasn't good enough to make it appear as if they're being shot hard 
So a lot of the cans are just like, like softly falling into the grass and you're supposed to be really scared of this Coke machine that can't shoot right or left, but can only shoot straight forward. So if you sidestep slightly, you'd be fine. So what I love about that scene is when they cut away from uh, the vending machine, you still see the cans like flying from off camera. I, it makes me think back to like the uh, uh, the Star Wars stuff where Luke is, you know, fighting Vader in the throne room. And when you actually see the production shots of it, there's just like, you know, stagehands throwing foam stuff from off screen. I can just see like, you know, the film crew chucking cans at the kids. Yeah. Full on <laughs> empty cans. Yeah. That empty cans kind of weirdly with no float. weight. Yeah, they're 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 at they're going at such a trajectory that it couldn't possibly hurt if it hit you. And uh, it's poorly acted too. There's there's some kids that get beamed and then they have really delayed like drops. But oh, ow, ow, I guess. Yeah, I, I think again that scene is also my favorite because you do get that big welt on the coach's head, and apparently that effect they actually had a bladder under it. They were gonna have a pulsate and then like burst. And blood go everywhere. But again, they had to cut that because the censors said, yeah, no, you can't do that. This movie's not even that bad in terms of like things you'd have to censor out. I, like, I don't see why that would be a sticking point. Like cutting no. off Eddie Arcadian's face, maybe. But even then, yeah, like, have you ever seen Hellraiser? They... Like, come on. I don't know why they cut that, but I mean, there's several scenes where it's close-ups of dudes taking five to six 50 caliber rounds in the chest. And those scenes were extended. But frankly, to your point there, Thunderous Wizard, even the 50 cal shots aren't that gruesome. Nobody gets like blown open. You just see some like squibs and some bloodstains. I mean, it's pretty, I mean, aside from the steamroller running the kids over, it's pretty tame. The steamroller smoking the kid is, I I, I forgot about that. I was like, oh shit. (laughs) It's like, oh, that does happen, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and there's also a more gorier uh, lawnmower scene too, but all that stuff got cut. So apparently, here's the fun. Sorry, just just to cut in for a second here. Apparently, they were gonna show a full-on shot of a kid's head exploding as it got ran over by the the steamroller. Oh, so now here here's the story there. So what a child death and what Stephen King wanted year. was they wanted the blood bag to do the uh, Temple of Doom thing, where it was going to like pop under the roller and the roller was going to get a streak and then they were going to have a streak going across the baseball diamond. But the bag was either misplaced or the roller missed it clean on. So it hit it at an angle and it burst. So it created the impression that the kid's head had got run over. And Stephen King's like, that's even better. (laughs) Like, yes, that stays. But there was a couple other more gory kills in this movie, like with the lawnmower and stuff, but it all got cut. So it's like an urban legend that there's an uncut X-rated version of this movie out there somewhere. But that's not true. The truth is Stephen King has the final cut of this movie and it's never been released. So the film does exist, but it's not out there anywhere. Fingers crossed. How do we... Yeah, f- yeah. fingers crossed for sure. Can yeah, we, somebody can get, we start you know, a release the King cut? Going here. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I mean, if we yeah. got the Snyder cut, I, I'm certain we can yeah. get this. Like, So let's hashtag, get hashtag, hashtag Maximum King Overdrive King Cut trending on Twitter. Let's get that happening, folks. But anyway, okay. Uh, let's keep this thing moving. Um, yeah, I mean, this movie is just bonkers because it is Stephen King's only directorial venture. 
and one of my favorite things about this movie is that Stephen King has been very, very vocal about how awful the production was. He's admitted that he was basically coked out of his mind the entire Listen, time. Was the year somewhere between 1978 and 1995? Yes. Yep. And that has led to a similar urban legend, uh, you know, in the same vein as the director's cut, that, in fact, King was so out of it for long stretches of this movie that uh, one of his, like, assistant directors or whatever, uh, a guy by the name of George A. Romero, also had to help and direct many scenes by himself. So that might help explain why some of this stuff was similar and or maybe better than it should have been because it wasn't just King by himself. Well, this movie is essentially Dawn of the Dead with electronics. It's yeah. not it's not even electronics. It, a lot of these are machinery. just fucking yeah. mechanical devices. Yeah. But I it's like the same movie. They escape on a boat. Yeah, what's well, a sailboat? It's yeah. a sailboat, so it's analog. But yeah, um and so I, I joked earlier that, you know, Stephen King took this you know, job saying, hey, I want to do King the right way. I'm going to do it myself. And then in subsequent interviews, people have asked Stephen King, hey, why haven't you returned to directing? And he says, well, have you seen Maximum Overdrive? See, I, I think <laughs> he's you very know, self-aware. I get that. But this is still the second most competently directed movie of the four. Uh, Sleepwalkers uh, I mean... is a travesty. And and thinner is also not at all dynamically shot. The scene where the little where the boy the the son the baseball kid rides through the street and he's looking left to right and there's a woman out the window and this guy's dead and that guy's dead. That scene is better done than anything in Sleepwalkers or Thinner. And I would argue that's uh, probably, Romero. Probably Romero, but still. Yeah. So I mean, we'll never know the true story here. Um, but in addition to getting a young Yardley Smith, a.k.a. Lisa Simpson, we also get a very young uh, Giancarlo Esposito as the guy in the game room that gets electrocuted. Did you guys At, catch that? Yeah, and after he gets electrocuted, he he started uh, Dos Poyos Hermanos yeah. because he realized that there was a lot of money to be made in uh, Truck Stop Chicken. There's always money in the chicken stand. Always. Yeah. Um, and as we've mentioned earlier, this movie's soundtrack is completely ACDC. It is the ACDC album, Who Made Who? And that is because Stephen King was a huge ACDC fan, and he personally went to the band and asked them to do the soundtrack for the movie. So the album is effectively a greatest hits album. Uh, the only additions or new songs on this album are the titular single, Who Made Who, and a couple instrumental tracks that are used on the soundtrack. But basically, yeah, the soundtrack for this is a ACDC Greatest Hits album. So here's a random question. Better movie with an all ACDC soundtrack, this or Iron Man 2? It's this. That's I'm just going to throw it out there. That's really, it's closer than it should be, frankly. Yeah. But you know what? I'm a huge Iron Man 2 apologist, so I, uh, that's tough. That's a, that's a Corey listen, flip for Chumzilla. Listen, all of the Iron Man movies are very, very good. But it, it that is a very much apples to orange question you're asking. This this movie is a, hey, hey, you, you, you want to get drunk and watch something really weird from like 40 years ago? Because, <laughs> or would you like to watch a semi-competently made film 
that's mostly fun. Yeah, I mean, well, uh, Iron Man Two is not forty years old. <laughs> I'm picking Maximum Overdrive every time. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, this movie's it's. I mean, I think we've done a good job of not totally like beating it to death. I think people should see it. I love this movie. Are you kidding it, me? It's yeah. There, there's so much to it, and I think one of the things this movie does better than Sleepwalkers and Thinner is that all the characters in this movie like get screen time and have dialogue and it's not a two hour movie. It's still 90 minutes, but the characters all get their moments and it feels like a fuller film. It's stupid, but it, it has more substance somehow. It's it's really weird. It's dumb, but yet engaging at the same time. And there's way more characters in this movie than there are in sleepwalkers, which is essentially a five character film. Yeah, right, it's yeah. it's it's like three so people and then kills, like a small satellite more, like, system there, of like three or four happening. others. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is the quintessential. This is a dumb six beer movie. We're gonna get drunk. We're gonna watch this dumb fucking thing. We're gonna have a good time. Yeah, I, I yeah. This movie is it's got a weird place in my heart. And then I I can't I can't uh, exclude the fact that we also get a Marla Maples cameo. She's a woman at the end of the movie with her. Hands stuck out the window of a car because That's she's been not murdered her. by her car. She's she's watermelon lady. Oh, she's the watermelon lady. Yes, she gets oh. the avalanche of watermelons pouring onto her head. Uh in the very opening scene on the bridge. Yep, that's her. She's. I always assume she's the lady with the. Lady. Wait, so is this before her marriage to Trump? It must be because that's oh. not her. Yeah. She's I always thought that was a Trump joke because I, I knew she was in up. the movie. I, I, I just thought I knew it. I didn't bother looking it up. Wow, I feel stupid now. But yeah, okay. So still, fact stands, as the Thunderous Wizard has pointed out, we do get a Marla Maples appearance. That is Donald Trump's second wife. That is Tiffany's mom, FYI. Yeah, so here's probably my favorite fact about this movie because I'll just jump in. Let's not bother with it. This did not out-earn Shawshank. Um, not even it, slightly. Oh, man. What? Like knowledge, this made like eight thousand eight million dollars. Yeah, seven point four. And uh, (laughs) here's what did out earn this movie: the soundtrack. Who made who went platinum five times in both the U.S. and Australia, and platinum in a couple other countries too. So, yeah, ACDC made way more money on that album than the studio or King made on this movie. The entire movie. (laughs) <laughs> I, I, I will say, I think it's more enjoyable to watch this movie than to listen to that album. You know, I haven't tried. I mean, they're, you know, I mean, ACDC is okay, but to a certain degree, all their songs kind of sound the same. Yeah. But anyway, so yeah, Maximum Overdrive, folks, if you haven't seen it, because it's, it's a tad obscure because it doesn't really have that midnight movie cult falling behind it, but it should. If you yes. get a chance to check it out, you should. That's my recommendation and also let's get that uh maximum overdrive king cut hashtag going yes and it's definitely a movie that's a victim of the dwindling late night cable television market because so many of the stupid movies i watched as a kid i'll never see now because i you know i i cut the cord out of cable you know you guys yeah i I think there's a whole genre of films that are probably lost to, to time 
you know, because of that, the sands of time. My fa- one of my favorite movies of all time is Big Trouble in Little China. That movie was fed to me through cable television. It was yep. on all the time at obscure hours. And I it, that movie probably doesn't have the same uh, relevance now that it did then because it was on all the time. Yeah, totally. The Thing also falls into yeah. that category, too. That's another movie that we've talked about several times. It really found its following on cable. So, Thunderous Wizard, I hate to do this, but I want to call back to something you mentioned earlier. Bob Burke from Thinner was also RoboCop and RoboCop 3. And that made me think of another movie that we've talked about on this pod that he was also sort of related to. And I'm talking about The Island of Dr. Moreau that was directed by who? Richard Stanley. Right. And one of his projects, I think before Hardware, was Dust Devil? Dust Devil is after Hardware. After Hardware. Okay. The Dust Devil in Dust Devil was none other than Bob Burke. (laughs) It's all come full circle, folks. You know, from episode one to episode 81. Yeah, there we go. It all comes around. Yeah. Time is a flat circle. That's right. Uh, so that basically wraps up our St- Stephen King roundtable. But I, I have a couple last questions, and then we'll uh, jump into recommendations. Uh, how would you rank these movies, these four movies we just did, from worst to best? I feel like that is a loaded question, but I am willing to take that on. Okay. Worst to best. What do you think, Captain Cash? So when I say worst to best... What I mean is movies I'd be willing to watch, not movies that have a better production value, not movies that are arguably a better story. Okay. But it definitely goes maximum overdrive for its absolute balls-to-the-wall insanity. Sleepwalkers for that, but at a limited level. Then I'm going to give it to Thinner, because it's just so shitty in 90s. <laughs> it's very fucking 90s. It is. And then I'm going to give it to Secret Window for what is basically what feels like a paint by numbers. Yeah, you got Johnny Depp. And yes, it's the slickest production. But eh. Yeah, David. Ambered. Yeah, and. I'm going to 100% agree with Captain Cash. He was going from the most to the least, not the least to the most. But I'm viewing it as like, if I'm going to go drink some beers with a buddy, like what movie do I want to watch in what order? And it's that order. Like Maximum Overdrive is definitely number one. And then as stupid as it is, Sleepwalkers 2, because there's so much crazy shit that happens in it that if I'm sitting there drinking and having a good time, I'm just going to find new and, you know, more ridiculous shit and be like, fuck, I didn't see that last time. And then the other two, you're like, oh, I've seen this movie. This is boring. That's fair. That is fair. Chumzilla. I'm going to stick to the original format and go from worst to best. Number five, Sleepwalkers. Number four, getting hit by a car. Number three, <laughs> thinner. Number two, secret window. And number one, the clear number one, maximum overdrive. Yeah. Uh, so I had it as uh, thinner was the worst, despite my nostalgia, because my wife had no interest in seeing what the hell thinner had to offer. But when I mentioned, hey, we got to watch this movie because there's cat sex. 
She's like, okay, I'll check it out until that Wait, comes what? up. And then there's, I go There's asleep. not that much to offer on thinner. It's just not that good. Yeah. Wait, hold on. It, but you're but, telling me you were able to get your wife into something because you said, hey, there's cat sex? I said, these two cat people are going to have sex within the first 20 minutes. Do you want to see it? She's like, I guess. This is going to be terrible, though, right? I'm like, yeah. She's like, okay, I'll check it out. <laughs> I kind of feel like that's terrible, plate. though. I I'm kind not, of feel like that's I, how I'm thinner definitely happens. Definitely not yeah. putting on my cat ears and getting my cat what? So I was about yeah. to say, Thunderous Wizard has some couch time in his. Future. And now there's some cat roadhead. Weird. <laughs> definitely thinner was the worst. It, despite my nostalgia, held up so poorly. Uh, Sleepwalkers, absolutely terrible. There's no other way of putting it. It's a terrible movie, but there's cat sex. Uh, then Secret and Window. Kitty, the kitty. only thing. The only thing that Cats 2019 yeah. didn't give you. Secret Window is uh, competently enough acted and directed, and Maximum Overdrive is just a piece of 80s bliss. It, it must be seen. This is Hops and Box Office Flops Public Radio, presented to you by hashtag Kitty Titties. And that's so, fair. But, here's, my, here's my real question, though. Would you want to rewatch Sleepwalkers, or would you want to rewatch Secret Window? Exactly. Uh, well, okay. Yeah, it's that's, 2019. That's fair. I guess that would shuffle my ranking, but I don't want to watch either of them ever again. So. Also, also true. fair. Uh, no, wait. No, serious answer to your question, though. I think the problem with Secret Window, it's not rewatchable. No, it's not. It's, I yeah, mean, you see not, it once and you're like, not. meh, file it away. At least with Sleepwalkers, when you watch it the second time, you're going to pick up on a bunch of stupid shit you didn't see the first time. <laughs> You know, if you gave me like an infinite bucket of gumdrops to chuck at a screen, I guess I could watch Sleepwalkers again. I can make that happen. Okay. Uh, so, last question: Best Stephen King cameo, uh, excluding Secret Window, in which he does not appear. I have a very clear answer on this. He is in Thinner, he is in Sleepwalkers, and he is in Maximum Overdrive. Best cameo. I, I give it to Thinner, where he's the super thick glassed um, pharmacy guy who doesn't know his head from his ass and can barely be competent on the witness stand. So quick, quick aside here. I think that actually makes that movie exist in the same universe as The Mist because he's a King's pharmacy. King's pharmacy. King's pharmacy. Yeah. pharmacy. Here we go. Uh, bad Stephen King movies uh, rolling over, bleeding into good Stephen King movies. This universe is, uh, essentially, we're all in the Dark Tower. <laughs> we're getting Captain Cash's SKU, Stephen King. Yes. Uh, yes, but I don't need it in it. I just I just want all the shittiest ones. Captain Cash, what uh, best cameo? Uh, you know what? I'm, I'm going to give it to Maximum Overdrive. You, you just can't not. Okay, yeah. Uh, Chubzilla? Oh, yeah. For me, it is 100% maximum overdrive because the ATM calls him an asshole and he calls his <laughs> wife sugar buns. Oh, my God. We had the same thing written down. That's exactly why it's the best cameo. And I mean, the thing about that is he wrote that for himself and directed the scene. That's what he gave himself to work with. And I'm like, okay, bold move, sir. Bold move. Yeah. Cocaine, all all of that was your sure. choice. Literally all of that was your choice. It was a choice okay, and he okay, made it. Hell of a drug. For the record, listeners, I'm going to post the scene where he says, come on over here, sugar buns. This machine just called me an asshole. And that is the choice. It's the clear choice. 
We're going to take a quick break. We come back, we're going to do recommendations. We're going to close up our Stephen King roundtable. Hello and welcome back to our final segment of our Stephen King Roundtable episode of Hops and Box Office Flops, presented by RevengeOfTheFans.com. This is Recommendations. Captain Cash, why don't you kick us off? Okay. First of all, happy Halloween to everybody. Second of all, we've talked about Lindsay Ellis on the pod a handful of times. She's a very famous YouTuber and now New York Times bestselling author, but she has two podcasts, the first of which starts Into the Omegaverse, the second of which is Addison Kane's Lawyer, and I don't know how to describe this except as Tiger King, but with ladies and wolf porn. These are things you need to go look up on YouTube right now because it is the most amazing train wreck I have ever experienced there there are two videos she has it's it's an hour for into the omega verse it's another hour for addison kane's lawyers writing to her please go watch these they're just so batshit insane i I don't even know where to start just go enjoy it okay uh chumzilla i'm not sure i can follow that up but i will try um yeah how to follow wolf porn I mean, yeah, is that like... I mean, it's not like actual wolf porn. They're like people that have wolf... In, Wait, like, so, it's yeah. so goddamn weird. I, I have questions. Is this like a real thing, or is this like a, a oh, so, fiction work? Is this QAnon? Okay, so, so, what are we look, doing look, here? Look, it, it's all based on fanfic. But the reason that Lindsay Ellis is involved is she's highlighting how one particular person is using copyright claims to stop other people writing in this particular subgenre of erotica and it is uh, just I got you. full on fucking crazy it's a deep dive into a weird internet subculture full of strange and eccentric characters gotcha yes exactly that that is 100% of what it so, is it so is more it's more clear now i just thought you were trying to get us into furry porn well, so I mean, let's you're just trying to like, I, I like low key slip that into the mainstream here. Yeah. No, I know. I get it. I'm sleepwalkers, cats. This was the natural progression. Okay. So, I anyway, my recommendation cool. here is going to be a little more vanilla. Okay. Um, I'm going to say everybody should go watch the new Borat movie. Oh. Um, I watched it right away on Friday morning because I'm a degenerate <clears throat> and I had time. And I just want you to know I am tucking in my shirt on this Zoom call. Yeah. I. Always tuck my shirts in during these calls, especially when the video is smooth and silky, Captain Cash. But so the point being, <clears throat> I wasn't a huge fan of the first Borat movie. I was aware of it. I'd seen most of it, probably not in one sitting, I don't think. But, you know, at this point in time, I could use a good laugh. And the movie is pretty funny, but I hate to say it, it's pretty topical. So you don't really get to ignore all the problems we're facing right now as a society. But it's still pretty entertaining. It gives a pretty, uh, you know, <clears throat> comical view of some of our current political uh, parlances. And I think it's important that we all get to see kind of that stare into the abyss that stares back at you, dead-eyedness of some of the MAGA crowd. And, of course, the infamous Rudy Giuliani scene. I think everybody should see that for themselves and draw their own conclusions and tuck their shirts in. 
So, yeah, Borat 2. Check it out. Tuck your shirt down. I'm sorry. Tuck your shirt in. Thumb down as God intended. (laughs) Dry. Just the way Mother likes it. Oh, okay. Uh, Mary Chase. All right. I don't have a very slick new mic like Chumpzilla, but I will say to all seven listeners, if we haven't gotten the point across, please go vote. Please vote, 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 vote. Go out and vote. You still have time. There's several days left. Go vote and just vote. Um, and then keeping it in the vein of this is Halloween. This is Halloween. I'll have two more Halloween movies, and they are probably the ones that I only recommend to people who like to see really brutal Halloween movies, and they are Martyrs and The Audition. Uh, don't watch those if you're not okay with um, more gory films and films that are actually pretty tough to get through. Uh, that is what I'm ending Halloween month with, and then after this I can go back to normal uh, films and TV. Okay, so uh, my recommendation for this week is The Long Walk, a novel written under King's pseudonym, Richard Bachman. Thinner was also a Richard Bachman book. The Long Walk centers around uh, an event that kids enter every year. It's a grueling contest to see who can walk the furthest. The losers are executed on site, and the winner receives the prize. Uh, A.K.A. anything they desire in life, although... Is there really a prize? Is there not? It's a good book. It's a fast read. You'll enjoy it. Uh, the Hunger Games pretty liberally rips off a lot of its ideas. Uh, it's a very yeah. good. It's a very good book, and it is definitely poached. Yes, it, uh, and I feel like it's the proto Running Man. Yeah, no, similar. Because uh, because let's just for the record, Kings novella or short story for the running man is much different than the movie it's much more like the long walk yeah um it's good i i I think you'll enjoy it uh remember you can find the show on facebook twitter and instagram at hops and bo flops you can find myself on twitter at writer tlk you can find captain cash at c-a-p-t-c-s-h on most social media you can find chumzilla at chumzilla8 on twitter and mccheese at H-B-O-F McCheese on Twitter. If you enjoy the show, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe. And connect with us on social media to share your ideas for terrible horror movies that we should do, or terrible movies in general, or underrated movies that didn't make a lot of money that you love. Uh, We'll see you next for the beginning of our new series, which is Riding with the Italian Stallion, all Stallone movies, starting with Over the Top, the single greatest movie about arm wrestling ever made, no contest. Uh, And in closing, listeners, all I can offer you is this. Die clean, white man from town. (laughs) Die clean. (laughs) They took John Lee. Happy Halloween. (laughs) We'll see you next time.